Lessons around leadership, lessons around resilience. Konstantin Vasyuk is the executive director of the Ukraine IT Association. And my guest co-host is David Bray, a distinguished fellow with the Stimson Center. Konstantin, tell us about the IT Ukraine Association. So IT Ukraine uh, Association is the largest national association of IT companies, and we represent the interests of more than 77,000 uh, IT professionals. And uh, we have been providing various additional opportunities to our members on a daily basis. But uh, in this day and age, we contribute to the ongoing development of the industry and, of course, provide centralized support for, to our army and to our people. David, it's great to talk with you. Tell us about your work at the Stimson Center. So the Stimson Center is a nonpartisan um, think-and-do tank. Uh, they're one of the quieter ones in the sense that they're focusing primarily on impact. And, and what I'm doing there is uh, helping them think through how everything from the future of data, the future of biology, the future of commercial space technologies, how that is changing the world in geopolitics, and similarly, how geopolitics and changes in the world are shaping the future of technologies and data that we as either companies or as communities will be using in the decade ahead. Constantine, tell us about life in Ukraine right now. The population of the territory of our motherland, uh, we have uh, been caught by the invasion of Russian Federation. And this is it. And it has been 48 days of continuous defending, uh, in which uh, we have experienced grief, fear, anxiety, and anger. It's, it's war. And, you know, but at the same time, this uh, immense bravery, joy, pride, and unity we also felt. More than, just imagine, that more than 1,800 missiles have been launched into our lands. But at the moment like this, we were consequences to deal with, uh, see people stand up for each other and assist in keeping the country. And uh, it's, it's drama, it's, it's huge drama, and we all fight uh, on different fronts. Some on the far front, uh, others on the cyber and tech ones, but at the end of the day, it's a result that counts, yeah. And it is in this regard, we haven't been combating the second world's strongest army this long just because of luck. <laughs> it's brave work that everyone puts into remain a closely merged nation. So, and I'm saying this with very I would say with emotions because no country in the world is ready to go to war with Russia, but Ukraine is fighting and fighting quite successfully, I should say. And by the way, considering the bravery Ukrainians have been showcasing their, how to say, their national DNA, and this is our national resource, in fact, how to say, the bravery becomes our brand. And uh, this is what it means to be us today, to be Ukrainians, to be brave. Maybe this is most uh, liberal characteristics of what we have now in Ukraine. I mean, like you said, the last 48 days have been incredibly challenging, but Ukraine has risen to the occasion. At the same time, this has been something that's been brewing for a while. I mean, you had the 2014 conflict with Russia, and then there's been several things behind the scenes. So could maybe if you could tell a little bit of the arc of your industry association from 2014 onwards in terms of, I mean, you've had the 
constant concern of Russian aggression, whether it be more uh, overt as it is now or, or things that were done more quietly to try and disrupt Ukraine for the last several years. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how, how does the IT Association, Industry Association work with what has been year-long uh, stresses in some respects? We have been in the state of war for for previous eight years, by the way. And since 2014, we faced the aggression of the Russian Federation, but smaller, let's say in smaller amount, in smaller effect. Uh, nevertheless, we understood that uh, the, prob- the probability and the risks still exist. Thus, uh, most of the companies, which are our members, I mean, uh, firstly, we have a very mature business and very responsible business. So they have uh, BCP and they realized these plans before. So they moved people, they changed some security levels of the data storages, et cetera, et cetera. We have uh, transferred, let's, uh, we, we, we just changed business processes in order to be ready for such uh, situation. And now it shows that it, this was exactly and correct approach which affected now in the very good condition of the industry in, in general. Advanced business continuity. I guess that's kind of a, a, a funny way of describing a situation that's not funny at all, but you did a lot of preparation ahead of time. Even we didn't just imagine, we couldn't imagine that it will happen. So we worked on it because, you know, now we see that something comes to, into reality. <laughs> We didn't expect at all. How do you keep morale up? I mean, I can imagine, you know, this is almost, you know, it's, it's a daily bombardment, it's disruption. How do you keep the, the, the hopes up of both industry leaders and, and then members in the association as well? We worked on the joint project, joint businesses. We were quite united all the time because associations have been existing for 15, for 16, uh, 60 years, 16 years. And we have quite mature business, as I already told you. And uh, now we're in the next level of our maturity. What's life like for you just on, on a daily basis? I'm assuming you're, you're not in the middle of fighting, but how has life changed? It has affected all areas of life uh, in ways you didn't expect it would. From the first day when we hear these bombs, explosions, so your life changed at, at, at a second at one in one second and we haven't experienced anything like this but it uh, just proves that you have to be ready for everything and uh, starting from that relocation as you probably heard more than 10 million citizens have moved internally to relatively more safe areas including myself and my family and uh, but uh, that doesn't stop me from working as usual and uh, kids are having online lessons as they would, but taking even those two simple points. My working day has been prolonged, of course. Now we work not, of course, 24-7, but more <laughs> work over 20 hours a day because we're all into, in support for Ukraine, the army, the citizens, and uh, people really trying to help. And we're centralizing the assistance as best as possible on the level of uh, our organization, on the level of my team. Uh, on the other hand, uh, with kids at their online lessons, it's harder to have work calls and have a stable connections, you know. And um, of course, I'm sure you have experienced with, uh, this with COVID times. Uh, but let's imagine that saying uh, not, uh, how to say, not 
uh, send your kids you, where, where, while they're playing on the grass, yeah, after the classes, for the keeping them in because the air raid alarm is ringing. And it's crazy sound, by the way, very depressive. And everyone should be in a shelter at the moment. This is general picture of our life, but we in the most safer place, some people in less safe place, but more or less the experience is the same. One of my friends, they moved to Italy with a family uh, from the suburbs or from suburbs of Kiev. Uh, they lived there before and uh, on the second day, the child, while the plane was flying on, you know, the child uh, go down on the ground and say it's missile. It, it was terrible. So this is daily life we adopted. I find it fascinating because in some respects, IT is, is so essential for you to carry on the work wherever you are, to carry on the education wherever you are. It actually helps hold your people together. Um, as you said, they've been displaced uh, by the conflict. Um, I guess, do you have stories or one or two stories in which IT has been absolutely essential to keeping either work colleagues or, or communities together uh, in the midst of this very hard time and challenging time uh, for Ukraine? For example, we have uh, in this in the very beginning of war, so some of of the teams they were moving around country, they're just uh, relocating, and uh, at the same time they should provide delivery to the customer, and this was very it's it's like you know how to say they were moving in the same way in the first day of the war and they were delivering products, <laughs> they're delivering software because they switch between the team because by the way in ukraine we got very good uh, network connection and this is due to fiber optic network very developed and etc so with decentralized network and they switched between team members and they delivered the product and customer was really shocked how it was possible but it was <laughs> and this is one of the case but the main support we have now is and and, and before because uh, of course the first shock you have from the understanding just just understanding that you're in the another reality and the, you want to wake up and see that everything is okay but it's not okay it's the war on your land it's hard to to describe you you shouldn't feel it of course but it's only your internal feeling it's not the danger for your life, it's danger for your, how to say, perception of the life. And I mean, the, the, mo the main support in cases with people to support each other in this situation. And as one team, they're working, we work together now, we have meetings, we have tasks, we have deadlines, as in general, in usual life. But now we're a bit much stronger, a bit, a bit much confident, uh, just a bit much how to say resilient <laughs> and this is maybe the side how to overcome this but it needs time to understand constantine at the beginning of the war i read stories of it workers who during the day they were participating in war activities essentially and then at night they would come home and they would write their code and do their programming and work with their customers and their deliverables is that still happening what's how do you, what's the what's the working life like right now now more or less people understood and got the rhythm of life 
rhythm of work in order to be as much efficient as they, as they can. So if, if people think, think that he will be efficient on the army, yeah, he will go to army. If you're efficient in the coding or performing your daily work, it will be like this. And it's normal because first days are shock. First days is not typical a schedule yeah of your life and later it will go on the more or less normal way in the term of your schedule in the term of your daily daily routine etc so i think it's it's quite now it's quite uh, clear that people uh, as want to be as much efficient as they, as they can on their place own place what, what they can choose but we have an interesting question from Twitter, and this is from Arsalan Khan, who's a regular listener. And, and, and thank you, Arsalan. I always thank you for asking such excellent questions. And he, Arsalan says this. He says, being prepared for an invasion, how, how do you prepare for an invasion? And how did you convince your, your IT organization members to be ready for a war? You will be ready for the war when you will have when you have this experience at least one time. Before this, you won't be ready, really. But uh, I mean that uh, maybe customers. Let's say customers is the um, so mostly the customers pushed companies to provide some BCP, really because customers worried about their business in the same time as i already mentioned we have been in the state of war for last eight years so we taught some some lessons taken from this and basic things were done so i mean the combination of these you know customers uh, let's say recommendations and our experience made this general preparation but for the last let's say for the last one month, two weeks, one week to the invasion, we really didn't think that it happened. Really, we didn't expect this. And that's why maybe answering these questions, you will not be ready to the war. M mentally, yes, <laughs> maybe. You, you, should, you should expect something. But of course, any exact actions will help you to overcome the threat when it comes to, the, to reality. This is an interesting war and conflict in the sense that not only, as, as Constantine said, and you noted, Michael, there are people that are working 20-hour days where they may have a day job that has them doing one thing and then a night job that has them doing something different in Ukraine to, to, to address the conflict and to keep the continuity of, of business going. You also have people either in the United States, Canada, and parts of Europe who may have a day job that is not at all obviously relating to the conflict that choose to either outside of business hours or choose to take time from work. Uh, I know of people who are volunteering to either help with vetting NGOs, trying to help with logistics to get things to support people in Ukraine, uh, tracking uh, Russian disinformation activities, helping with secure communications. And so this is something where as a result of IT and a result of what Constantine's Constantine's IT Industry Association is doing, you can actually bring in people from overseas as well, um, not to get ahead of whatever official governments are doing, but to support as volunteers in ways that they just couldn't do otherwise physically. You can be at war and at the same time, these companies, IT companies are still making their deliverables to overseas clients. I find that 
you know, hard to imagine given all the pieces that need to be in place, right? You, you need to have, you need to be able to concentrate. How do you concentrate when, if you send your kids out, as Constantine said, uh, after school, maybe there'll be an air raid siren, or maybe actually there will be a missile attack. And then what about the infrastructure? All of that. But one important thing that, you know, it's, it's, uh, we will, we will, uh, analyze it maybe after the war because the, uh, general, general, let's say, situation was, uh, general situation different and starting points different for different countries. We have some things like we have huge territory of the country. Yeah. We have big territory of the country. We have well developed infra- infrastructure and we have BCP. We have mature business. We have people very smart and creative people. And we have experience of COVID for two years, you know, this remote work. And in combination of this, we, we got some, uh, let's say, opportunity to realize a different, uh, let's say, approach and different results. And therefore, let them trying to say that IT today is all encompassing, but everyone's doing the right thing. You know, they who went to combat and uh, performing their civil duty. Yes. Those helping on the cyber front also performing their civil duty. Yeah. And those who working and keeping the economy, they're keeping contracts, they're keeping customers delivery, and they're also performing this civil duty. This is moti- highly motivation, you know, for high motivation for us because we understand that we are doing now this current moment, not knowing what will happen tomorrow because, you know, the situation is not so simple like it like, seems sometimes. We have a question from Twitter, and this is from Wayne Anderson, another regular listener who asks such great questions. And Constantine, he wants to know, what are the top three needs of your members from global IT providers right now? What should can global IT providers do to help your members? The most, more or less, conditions are kept. So people, human capital we have. Uh, safety, more or less, we have safety for data, cybersecurity, etc. We have now we have just trust and confidence from customers to keep on business because I know some big businesses just considering their risks and they have projections regarding some just decreasing contracts value, etc. etc. Just in order to reduce the risk, uh, risks. Uh, but still, I hope that after some time they will return back because of the huge deficit and huge demand on the global market. And just don't wait for this moment that you should return back. Yeah, Just keep on doing business. Of course, we are ready to provide additional, let's say, information, maybe site visits, maybe some meetings and proofs that our business is resilient and confident and uh, very, how to say, and capable to deliver uh, services you need. This is maybe the one and main thing. You are highlighting that this is both a immediate conflict in terms of military defense, uh, whether it be on the physical battlefield or in the cyber realm, but it's also the long term, which is you need your economy to continue to be robust. I mean, if anything, if your economy shrinks because nobody wants to do business with you, that is actually worse than what could happen on the battlefield. So um, sort of amplifying what you're saying, if folks can continue to do business with you, if they can grow their business with you, even in the midst of all this, the fact that you have shown this skill, I mean, you have skills now that most people can't claim when it comes to ultimate IT resiliency. You have demonstrated that. Exactly, and to what one important thing maybe I would like to add that this is this business which is supported by customers and business that earning money. They spend this money 
for the help for the help to the army and to the people because thousands million millions dollars uh, spent by Ukrainian IT companies or companies with development centers in Ukraine to the aim of the army non-military goods including non-military goods of course medicine etc humanitarian aid and this possible exactly because our customers pays our pay our bills pay our invoices and we deliver services and mean i mean this should be kept and this is uh, this will help defend ukraine defend europe and defend the world from this crazy really crazy people sorry but what we see now it's not how to say no words to describe this and this is important to keep business to keep economy in order to just fight for the peace and give this and gain this victory finally can you even imagine how things would be different if you didn't have the internet nowadays in the midst of all this we got uh, more than 5000 starlink uh, equipment sets of starlink equipment supplied already supplied to ukraine and this uh, equipment uh, distributed between the critical infrastructure some uh, government bodies some uh, local authorities some uh, critical uh, let's say points where, where it's needed for the cities which just lost internet connection some mobile operators etc and so we have some backup for the uh, channels for internet channels some it companies also have this equipment as well i mean that we monitor situation and it's really now have no any let's say complaints to the network connection and we hope it will be kept but we have also reserved channels like starlink and uh, this gives us hope to continue in, even if some parts in some regions temporarily will be cut off from the global let's say fiber optic network in the midst of this terrible bombardment and the atrocities that we read about that normal life goes on we're able to to do this it companies are making their deliveries uh what kind of planning you you touched on this earlier what kind of planning goes into ensuring that when this catastrophe happens that you're able to continue exactly in this condition we have let's say short term and mid term planning <laughs> and uh we are not speaking about some uh, far far horizons uh but anyway again according to bcp we have we have special let's say measures to provide uh, reserve electricity and internet connection and uh, again we have diversified we have offices in other countries so not the 100% of ukrainian de developers teams from the company let's say they work in ukraine of course when we speak about small companies uh, small scale companies they have uh, the whole let's say staff here but again they diversify people and it's i i it's hardly to imagine yeah I, i can hardly imagine that we will uh, got lost of internet connection all over the ukraine in general we much more optimistic regarding this because we have some double checked things and like channels uh, separate reserve channels and general network so we can switch to other channels in case we have some disaster but Uh, no one can be sure for 100% that it will not exist but it can be let's say it it this probability for can be for any country let's be fair of course war is war but 
we have quite good connections at least now. We hope it will be kept. And we don't miss opportunity to have reserved channels for such cases. We have another question from Twitter, a really interesting one. And this is again from Arsalan Khan, who says, this is as much a cyber and information war as a physical war. Has the government's view and use of IT changed as a result of what's going on? Let's talk a little about cyber. Cyber, yeah, because uh, as I just mentioned, uh, some people went to cyber front and uh, it's certainly an area we have expertise in and a lot of projects of. And maybe I will not tell you a, a very detailed information because we're in the state of war now, <laughs> but uh, let's maybe overview the, the parts of the cyber activities which have, because now this is, uh, this is part is, you know, DDoS attacks and uh, they, they are done by 90% of people who has computers and smartphones <laughs> and uh, just launching an uh, application on a laptop and, or even phone and you are in. But uh, they are particularly unharmful as the, let's say, long-term uh, period, yeah? And this is not so, so sophisticated one, but the hacking and pen testing is second level, yeah? And basically before we, so before some people, before war, some people, of course, doing this time to time, but now this is done by more sophisticated users, of course, and uh, they done it very well. And the most sophisticated part, it will be, uh, let's say, internal work, yeah? When the site hacked, and it's uh, work to build some uh, botnets, some other stuff to, to be particularly in and, and continue destroying this infrastructure, information infrastructure, etc. So, I mean that in this, uh, we have good expertise because even before previous years, we have some attacks in Ukraine, cyber attacks. And uh, by the way, what is interesting now and today, so you know that the uh, cyber army of the Russian Federation, which is said to be very so cool and advanced in its doing, it's an illusion. It's as weak and incapable as their armed forces on the ground. It, this is so now that we, we have revealed that it's an, uh, a myth. And I would like to say that we will happily share with you the details, but after the war, how we done this and how we prove that this is illusion of the very powerful cyber army of Russia. But Ukrainian cyber army is really powerful and we're proud of it. But again, details will come later. <laughs> again, not wanting to go into details, but the other dimension of what, what was asked in that question is you've been dealing with disinformation attacks on Ukraine for since 2014 and even before then. So you've gotten really good at it. And I've been very impressed at how Ukraine is very quick to sort of tamp out if, 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 if Russia tries to start spreading either uh, disinformation or tries to actually polarize your people. Um, is that something that you as an IT uh, Ukraine association, do you have a role of making sure there's not disinformation attacks against the IT association? Or is that another part of the Ukraine uh, government that helps with addressing disinformation attacks as well? Time to time, we, of course, we checked and update our, let's say, uh, web interfaces and sites uh, in order not to be attacked. But in general, business much more, let's say, business uh, before war, especially, business much, were much more ready for these uh, possible attacks than government structures. But then when it occurs, 
some and happens uh, previous years uh, it was uh, taken some measures were taken and of course we came to more or less normal level of cybersecurity in general but you know again we have critical infrastructure and we have general information portal sites and the difference you know the risks are different so maybe in general speaking so we have more or less normal level of cybersecurity and cyber defense but now of course it, it, it was raised in, in times and uh, of course we paid attention and our members do have expertise in this area and do share it and implement it together with the government. We clearly see uh, the partners, we clearly see the opponents and enemies and I mean that the help from the hand, uh, from the partner's hand, yeah, it's very precious and we do appreciate such uh, help. And support and uh, that's why maybe this area as well can be let's say discussed and applied as a partnership support for Ukraine so but this area should be discussed with the exact let's say government bodies and exact uh, responsible people not association in this case but in general I suppose that it can be done and maybe already been done somewhere and in general, we open for this, and we can let's say speak about this. But in general, just in general, because it's very specific and strategic issues, and it should be discussed with the competent competent people. I would like to say, as you look towards leadership leadership traits uh, uh, that you're you're seeing be espoused in in Ukraine at the moment amongst IT leaders what would be maybe two to three leadership traits that you're finding to be the strongest that are coming to the fore in the midst of this conflict it's very difficult to predict uh, the situation in in future yeah but now we we, we are trying in our daily uh, let's say daily work we are trying to be a platform to connect different let's say expertises different requests in order to find out the solution and uh, with the different angles we we work on we look at the different angles on the same things you know and like it people like structurized business like people who working for let's say urgent have uh, have strong to help their country by their own expertise or their experience or their time or their money we now flow constant flow of very intensive communications and collaborations and it gives us a unique lessons you know the unique experience uh, which we will hope to to implement after the war as well now you know and uh, how to say now the world is quite the world is very fast changing this situation in ukraine shows showed up a lot of things unexpected things to the other world and again, like association, we we global, we national association. We want to connect our members with all needed resources to keep their business. We want to connect and doing this to other government, connecting with the business uh, to keep ongoing economy, etc., etc., etc. So we quite multifunctional organization now. The democratization of technology now allows you to have an outsized influence. In some respects, you are the, the, the metaphorical David standing up against the Goliath, and you're doing so quite successfully. Um, I guess, as we look to the future, 
what aside from people investing in IT Ukraine now and obviously doing business, what could also help with rebuilding? What, what, what are there anything else that you would ask for, Constantine, if you were asking for people to help with, with, with Ukraine and recovery? Of course, when we will come to this point, when we clearly understand that war is uh, finished, bombing is finished, you know, because we should be in the safe environment. Uh, what what interesting thing is going now? We have uh, in these uh, Western regions, we have uh, still building, uh, co-working business centers and uh, other facilities for IT people as well and for creative industries because a lot of people moved here and a lot of people will stay here. And under the condition of even some risks of, uh, let's say, missile attacks, businessmen and uh, entrepreneurs, they build facilities. They invest right now a lot of money because after this one, let's say, after the period of war, they will be ready to accept and to provide services for the IT companies. And this is a great example how much we confident uh, in our victory and how much we confident that after the war, we, we will be, we, how say, we will have a fast recovery period, a very fast recovery period, and we hope for this. So this is an example. I find it fascinating, and it makes sense that entrepreneurs continue to build despite the war. In a, in a way, it seems like the entire country has been taken over by this spirit of unity. I mean, it's just starting with your president. Again, it's just unbelievable. Yes, we, we're proud of our president and we're proud of our people. Now, we we already another country as well. You know, we just changed for this period of time, short period of time, and we hope that the best people now, the best people working on the all the fronts, of course, we we quite united and we quite optimistic. While we have such a lot of, how to say, a lot of things which we should bear now, like these losses on the front, these uh, missile attacks, this bombing, this suffering of people, but still. We motivated to live. We motivated to change our country for better, like we did before the war, because we were one of the, let's say, most developing, fast developing countries in Europe. I mean, countries which were uh, aiming the new, new level of life, economy, etc., etc. Now we have this in mind, and we are going to implement it. And the IT industry, one of the industries of new economy. Because this is inspiring, yeah. Because we will be very fast recovering, and uh, it, again, we we now we still working in these very hard conditions. It proves that we economy, new economy, industry. And Arslan Khan comes back and he says, "Are you aware of how AI is being uh, used, given all of the data that's being collected right now?" A couple of examples when some technologies like a artificial intelligence etc used in the military for the military purposes of course okay again i will not uh, give you a lot of details but some applications with uh, drones some applications with uh, recognition people recognition uh, equipment recognition etc etc uh, now using in ukrainian uh, so in ukraine okay and uh, this is uh, this data which we operate with uh, also used for the military purposes 
to to optimize some processes to defend to make some uh, things secured more secured and to identify people etc etc now it's a uh, quite quite applicable and useful now we use these technologies widely david as we move towards finishing up any thoughts on what business leaders can do to protect against uh cyber attacks and, and disinformation. David, any, any thoughts on that? What's going on in Ukraine and, and what we even saw even with COVID and even beforehand, it's not a question of if these things will happen to you, they will happen to you. And in fact, they may be going on to you right now. And, and, and I think the, the first thing is, how will you know? Uh, assume it will happen, how will you know? The second thing is, is as uh, Constantine demonstrated, have a short and midterm plan. You know prepare for what you're going to do when you discover this, when you discover whether it's a disinformation attack or cybersecurity, because unfortunately, as we've seen, uh, once the intruders are in, they're going to move very quickly. Um, once they've done reconnaissance or in disinformation, you know, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth gets its sneakers on. And then the last thing I think is, is build alliances or connections. I mean, what Constantine is doing with this association is their strengths and numbers. Uh, given we are all connected to the internet, um, no, no organization is an island. And if you actually have that strength, you can actually have greater visibility as to what might be the latest trends. Maybe it's ransomware of a certain type that's now going up, or maybe it's this sort of type of disinformation attack. Um, and so basically assume it's going to happen. If it hasn't already happened to you, it will happen again. Um, have your plans and then ultimately build connections through associations because we're stronger together. Constantine, you're going to get the last word any final thoughts or messages that you would like to share? There is a need for your support to Ukraine, to our people, to our bravest people. Uh, the economy will have to be rebuilt. And uh, that's why we ask just one thing, we propose one thing, to contribute to this by keep doing business with Ukraine, with Ukrainian businesses, companies, very reliable and strong in this situation and any other situations. We are partners to work with. So doing business with Ukraine and we will, together we will win. Okay. And with that, I'm afraid we're out of time. This has been a fascinating discussion. We're so grateful to Konstantin Vasiuk. He is the executive director of Ukraine IT Association. Constantine, thank you so much for, for being here with us today. Thank you. A huge thank you to my guest co-host and good friend, Dr. David Bray. David, what a fascinating discussion. It is, and, and quite relevant both for the immediate crisis, but for IT leaders everywhere. I mean, this is the new reality of the decade ahead we're going to face. And, and, and Constantine, I look forward to when we can both break bread because things are in calmer times. But then I have imagined you have a big future in advising other organizations for the ultimate IT resiliency test. So thank you. Everybody, thank you for watching, especially those folks who ask such great questions. Now, before you go, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button at the top of our website so we can send you our newsletter and keep you up to date and uh, support Ukraine. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you again next time.